Episode 28 of Corner of Hunter and George, Peterborough, Nogo Juanong's Art and Cultural Podcast. I am back. Happy to be back after a few weeks' absence from my last episode with the Colton Sisters. Well, when I look at our city's art and cultural scene, there are a few people, a few individuals, just a few, a few pillars that keep art in Peterborough, Nogo Juanong going. Not limited to, but definitely one holy trinity of this, and certainly in our theater scene, is the holy trinity of Sarah McNeely, Kate Story, and Ryan Kerr. Now in this episode, you're going to hear me with the great fortune of being able to talk to Sarah. Sarah's been through a lot in her life, and in the usual theater on King imaginative form, you get to hear her play, Titty Cakes... A Recipe for Radical Acceptance, which is playing from October 19th to 22nd at 8 p.m. on Theatre on King and a matinee on the 23rd at 2. You get to hear her tell her own story, her dealing with her own traumas, the relation between her and St. Agatha of Sicily, believe it or not, baking finger cakes, hence titty cakes, and that takes precedence. And in her own narrative, I think that's the way she's been able to deal with things of trauma in her life, such as her breast cancer experience that's uh, been with her now for several years. But she has also been many other things to this city. She was an arts reporter at Corthenau, an arts advocate, professor at Trent, and a fully overall certified stage actor who's been behind so many art projects in the city. You need to write, as I say in the interview, a whole encyclopedia about it. But here's my attempt anyway to crack some of it, and I hope you get to enjoy this interview with Sarah McNeely. Well, I feel like um, even though I've interviewed a number of people in our community in the past year or so, I haven't really done many people or anyone really in the theater community. So I think it's appropriate I start with you because I don't know what what I've, in my opinion anyway, you are definitely one of the most acclaimed kind of and diverse artists our our city has. So that's... Wow. uh, Wow. Oh, my goodness. uh, Well, there's so much... I, as I'm going to say later, there's so much I could talk about, but there's uh, 
it's only so much time, but you have so much on your repertoire and so many different tasks all at once. I, I don't know how you do it really, but uh, um, anyway, so, but anyway, thank you very much for joining me. Um, so yeah, I, the, uh, I guess you could say the mainstay reason is your upcoming show at uh, Theater of King, um, uh, Titty Cakes. Um, I guess I'll just start off with uh, that being as, is it fa fair to say that is at least somewhat, if not fully, kind of an autobiographical kind of piece that you put together? Absolutely, yes. It's um, It sort of triangulates. There's uh, my story, which is interwoven with the story of a Catholic saint. Um, and I should say I'm neither Catholic nor Italian. Um, yep. And it also is a little different. Um, for the Saints Festival, they uh, every year in Sicily make these really bizarre looking finger cakes. Um, they're called Mini de Sant'Agata, which translates into little breasts of St. Agatha, um, or as I like to call them, city <laughs> cakes. Yeah. Uh, so I will be baking these cakes on stage and the recipe sort of informs and embodies a lot of the storytelling that takes place. Okay, excellent. And who did you put this show together with? Uh, like so this show uh, would not have been possible without and this is the thing about theater it's so collaborative mm -hmm. um so although it is my my creative work um i've worked intensely over the last uh since the spring especially with a dear friend and mentor um kate story who's a talk about acclaimed and accomplished artists multidisciplinary mm -hmm. um and it's also being presented through the theater on king which i could go on and on about how important that place is for our community and for artists uh certainly where i cut my teeth um and it's also uh fueled by um public energy okay. and yeah it just would not be possible without the numerous supports and i should mention um grant funding as well because i think you know that's a huge part of um what makes art possible okay all right and um not to give too much away but is it kind of in a monologue sort of form mm. oh it's it's uh no definitely not it okay. uses um movement a physical theater that's almost dance it uses um again the recipe really is it's it's difficult to it, explain it mm -hmm. really embodies the storytelling for example if i'm talking about snow i'm sifting flour kind of like that uh, um it uses object puppetry it uses um a giant table <laughs> um there's there's it's definitely not just one person standing there talking for an hour it's um pretty dynamic in terms of the the devices and conventions that it makes use of okay all right and so yes when you're mentioning this uh saint agathy and these uh yeah i don't i can't really speak italian properly either but uh titty cakes that are used for her finger cakes um is that from like, it's just something you came across as a piece of information and it really kind of felt a connection to, or you have some sort of, I know Absolutely. you're not Italian, but there's some sort of personal experience of some sort that you came across. It's, um, 
I first came across her um, in her iconography. Um, mm-hmm. There's a ton of representations, mainly Renaissance. Um, and she's always depicted holding a bloody cloth up to her chest and presenting severed breasts on a platter. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can do it, yeah, I, I, it really struck me um, on, on a personal intimate level. Mm-hmm. Um, just quickly in a nutshell, um, her passion. Well, as I researched it more, I think what really struck me about it is that it's unlike a lot of Christian persecutions. She's, she's canonized. She's, you know, one of the very few virgin saints. And I use that, <laughs> the air yes. quotes there because, um, her passion. Yeah, it's very different. There was, uh, the Roman prefect at the time wanted to marry her. She was young and beautiful and noble and blah, blah, blah. And, um, she rejected him because you know, she was a Christian. <laughs> and uh, so the rest of it has very little to do with Christianity and everything to do with personal vendetta. And Quintianus, the prefect, tortures her continuously until she, wanting her to, again and again, asking her to marry him. Um, and it's just horrific. And uh, her first torture is she's sent to a brothel for 30 days, which, you know, I think mm-hmm. we can guess what happens to her there. She's patron yep. saint of rape victims, even though she's a virgin saint. Um, and it, it accumulates in the removal of her breasts with pincers as punishment. So she's also patron saint of breast cancer patients. And there's all this weird Catholic stuff, like St. Peter magically appears and heals her and restores her hymen and her breasts and all of this mm. weird stuff as well. Um, but yeah, it, it really struck me. And I've had this interesting relationship with this saint. It's very cyclical. I sort of go back and forth between reverence and almost wanting to rescue her, redeem her, and really being annoyed and um, like almost not hating, but just like, and I have to remind myself that what's left of her story, this is, you know, I think it was 200 uh, common era around that time, you know, persecution, Decius, all that. Um, But all that's left of her is the story written by monks, by late antique and early medieval monks. So they really highlight her virginity and her asceticism and her chastity and all this stuff. Um, I wonder, actually, if she could have been a pagan deity that was appropriated by the church. Of course, that was very common. And she's associated with Mount Etna, the volcano and eruptions and protection from that. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. But yeah, I have very interesting relationship with this saint. It's a love-hate one. Yeah, well, I think what you're talking about is one of those really kind of um, uh, sort of pre-Catholic church because I was, a, I think she lived a bit before that, uh, you know, figures of early Christianity that kind of you're getting sort of when you talk about St. Peter and the monks, you're, then you're getting like a post-Catholic church formation translation. So yeah, something yeah, kind absolutely. of in there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that does sound quite fascinating. Now you can tell me if the right term is baking or cooking, but are you sort of saying 
Is there something in you that is found personally and maybe you're trying to convey through the show that there's a type of healing through baking and cooking? I think um, what's interesting is I'm a great cook. I'm a terrible mm-hmm. baker. Um, ah. Baking is like, there's too many rules, man. Mm-hmm. You got to <laughs> so, follow, you got to follow the recipe. Yeah, it's like, it's chemistry. Yeah. Like there's yeah, no yeah. deviation. There's no improv. There's yeah. like cooking is just flavor and heat and fly by the seat of your pants. Um, right. No, like, you know, I can make cookies and stuff, but this is like a ridiculously complex. It, um, it takes three days to make these cakes. Um, oh. So there's, there's, you know, going to be, of course, cooking show magic and that kind of thing. Um, it just wouldn't be possible to make them from start to finish. A lot of cooling and setting and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I have, as part of the research for this, obviously, I have um, made them a few times. They're actually not that good. They're it's marzipan. That's really sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think part of the draw towards that for me is... A part of it comes down to representation, um, particularly when it comes to trauma, violence, all of these things. I am of the mind with some things that maybe representation in the sense of representing something really, first and foremost, can't do justice to some things. And also, in the effort to do so, really only recreates the gesture of the oppressor. Um, so trying to honor that, I thought baking was a good way to tell these stories and represent these pretty heavy subjects without having that weird trauma porn if with the lack of uh a better terminology do you know Mm -hmm. um also part of it is uh my weird obsession with bataille and um it's it's the the show itself and what i sought out to do with it um i really do treat it as but 21st century healing ritual. Um, it's, it's ceremony for me. It really is. And rejecting a lot of things about what's available to me, um, in terms of, you know, this weird Catholic saint and everything. Um, but also trying to kind of recreate some of the parts too. Like, I think it's not so much the baking of the cakes that's really important to me. It's the eating of them, communion. Um, right. You know, it's uh, with witnesses, with with you know that that community formation, and you know, Bataille said that when the community eats the sacrifice, the human sacrifice back in the day, <laughs> yeah. um, it becomes sacred. So I think that was part of using the cooking as well for me was a way to make sacred, make profane and and have, have a modern day non-Christian communion. (laughs) Okay. And it's something about your own, like, um, like one psychological effect of your breast cancer experience. Was that something you felt a bit of a lack of uh, like a, like a, communal kind of 
um, like just able to do things around other people at times? Not so much. I think it comes from the understanding that on my healing journey, mm-hmm. um, from multiple traumas, not just breast cancer, I should Mm. say. Um, The acknowledgement, well, I don't know. I don't know, because I'm now going to sound like a poo-poo artist. It's kind of meta insofar as, you know, theater for me. Uh, The stage is my church. And I really, really felt that um, during the pandemic when I lost that. I realized that, you know, it wasn't, just losing jobs and money and that kind of thing. It wasn't being out of work. It was a a loss of subjectivity of identity and a loss of a a place of community, a place of worship, a place of ritual of becoming and transformation and all of those things that are cross-cultural and, and timeless. And um, so, so there's that. And, and I think it's not necessarily from this feeling of isolation or loneliness, but an acknowledgement that in the theater, the audience has a role to play. And also in healing, we're never doing that alone. There are always helpers and supports and witnesses and, and all of that as well. Okay. Well, that's, that's good to hear. Now it's going to, now, um, yeah, I was going to say, if it wasn't breast cancer, I was going to refer to COVID. Um, but anyway, like I said at the beginning, you've been behind, behind, uh, so many art projects in this, in this city. I, 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 I wouldn't have time for all of them, but, um, I'd, I'd probably needed almost my own encyclopedia, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I guess two people I feel who have been prominent. One, you've already mentioned Kate's story. Another one, uh, Ryan Kerr, I think both you've worked with for a number of years. I, I hate saying putting it in a nutshell, but I guess that's sort of a, what it, I guess I'm just wanting to say what, it, what has it been like working with both of those individuals uh, um, over the years? What oh my goodness. To you and like uh, the same, they kind of in the same mind frame as you often, or that's. Yeah, just um, an absolute privilege and a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I could go on and on and on and there could be an encyclopedia of all of the reasons why um i think the theater on king is vital for our community um particularly for the theater scene but for for all arts really um yeah it it's as individuals they're wonderful human beings and dear friends of mine um i also look to them as mentors artistically they have really helped me develop and grow my practice and have given me opportunities um, to do so. And then, you know, also as an organization, like I think it's so multifaceted and Theatre on King is so much more than just a venue. It's, I like to call it um, a laboratory. Um, it's without that venue, um, and this, this again comes back to the political economy of arts funding, but it just, um, it's conducive for risk taking. Yes, there are other theater venues in Peterborough, but artists like myself 
don't really have access to them. Certainly we can rent them, we can put on a show, but we're going to play it safe. We're going to put on a show that we know people are going to come to and we're going to be able to make enough back in ticket sales to cover the high rental cost of these larger venues. Um, and yeah, I, this is, this is a very risky show. Um, and playing it safe, uh, is not always conducive for good art. There's always risk taking in good art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. It is its uh, own gem, and I don't know if I'm sure some people do, but I don't know if everybody in our community realizes how unique that is. There's a lot of places bigger than Peterborough where, like you're just talking about playing it safe, you you may get people who have great hearts and even some great talents, but you may just get another version of like you know Chicago or My Fair Lady sort of thing. Yeah, and not that there's anything wrong. No, with not that, anything but... wrong with that, but it's not really new and innovative. I guess yeah. I would say yes. With with theater on King, you just never. It's my own words, I just you never really know what you're getting. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's the great mm-hmm. thing about it. Yeah. Um, and certainly that's taken its challenges over uh, the last couple of years, but uh, we'll get into that more of that later. But there's different dimensions of you I was hoping to go into as well. So one is, I know you're not doing it all the time, I don't think, but you're doing it a, a bit, is your arts reporting role for Kawartha now. So I'm just wondering what, okay. what got you what, what got you into that? And, uh, um, that was such a wonderful opportunity. And particularly mm-hmm. at the time, it was like a lifeline. Um, I'm, I'm no longer doing that. Actually, this show, oh. Titty Cakes, um, I just as the world and theater began to reopen, I just uh, had spread myself too thin because I took Mm. on all these new things such as arts reporting um, during the pandemic. And then as the old things started to come back, um, yeah, unfortunately I was just got too busy to do it, um, which is really sad because it was just wonderful. And especially at the time, you know, um, we're we're all on zoom and isolated mm-hmm. and um it, uh, there was a mourning there was a grief as well um for me w- with so much love for the theater community not just how it has benefited me personally as an artist but seeing what it does for the community even people who aren't artists and don't even consume it. Like it just, it, it's vital. It's vital. Um, and yeah, there was a grief and a fear that we would lose that. I mean, certainly we have lost live music venues. We have like, we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're it, it has left a mark on the art scene in Peterborough and everywhere for that matter. Um, and having the opportunity to, first of all, interact <laughs> with, um artists uh, and and the community um just was wonderful and did did wonders for my mental health especially and mm-hmm. you know looking back on that i think of every piece that i wrote and i i got i got the opportunity to write love letters to my community that's what they are all of them they're love letters to my community and i should say a huge thanks to uh janine taylor and bruce head who do Mm -hmm. a really wonderful job at kawartha now and uh yeah but it was just a wonderful opportunity and just what i needed 
Right. And your, your own sort of your own COVID relief in a sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it got, I get to, got to feel connected, feel like I was helping and doing something. And, mm. and yeah, it was very cathartic. I, I look back on it in retrospect and every one of them, I'm like, wow, I'm just, I'm just writing love letters to the arts. <laughs> right. And another, and again, definitely your main, your main dimension is definitely theater. No, no ifs, ands or buts, but another sort of minor dimension of yours is you've been on a number of like sort of, uh, artistic director, artistic manager positions, uh, like with public energy or theater on King, or, uh, if I'm saying the acronym, right. ACH AC sort of thing. Are you doing yeah. any of those right now? ACAC. Yeah. ACAC. Um, okay. That's actually just come to an end for the election. So that's mm-hmm. an appointed committee. Mm-hmm. So that will, uh, the, the new council will appoint the new committee. Yeah. I, I have done, a lot of, I mean, all of those are volunteer, um, which is I'm trying to scale back on because I'm realizing that uh, not a lot of people, you know, work <laughs> like yeah. 30 hours a week for free. That's probably, um, that's, yeah, maybe that's not sustainable. Um, I have done them for, I can't even, I think there's five boards of directors and committees and other things that I'm on. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's 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 service it's um my grandfather my late grandfather was uh involved in politics and you know i always kind of knew that he had grassroots environmental things that he did and all this other kind of stuff and um at his funeral uh i was blown away there were it was standing room only, man. <laughs> that was packed. There was like, I think a thousand people there. It was ridiculous. And I just remember thinking like, and hearing these stories of what he did for his community and, and the, the ripple effect of, of what his actions did and that legacy. And I remember thinking like, I, I want to do that for my community. I, I want to make a difference and, and make life better for, for the, my people. Mm-hmm. And it was right around the time that I had just put my roots down officially in Peterborough and bought my home with my partner. And uh, the theater on King had just opened and, and the rest is history. So yeah, I guess I see it as a duty, a duty to, you know, to, to have all these volunteer commitments, which I'm, I won't be having all of them. Okay. <laughs> Something's got to give. Yes. Burnout is real, but yeah, it's it's something that is a pleasure to do because I believe in it and I believe it's important. Okay. Um, well, most definitely. And that's quite commendable of you. Yes, 33 hours a week. Uh, but, <laughs> Give or um, take. Yeah. Give or take. Um, so you've been on what I've, my, inter- my understanding of what I've read about you, you've been on like on the stage since you were a child, more or less. And is there, uh, is there something you can tell about what your? It's hard to tell sometimes what our uh, you know attractions are when we're young. But is there something you think that drew you to the theater, and is is some of those same reasons still prevalent today? Um, it's totally my parents' fault. Okay, <laughs> I was doomed from the get go. Um, they they were theater people. They actually met in a production of One Floor Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, oh. my mom was Nurse Ratchet. My dad mm-hmm. played Bob Murphy. Okay. Um, they 
yeah, they even did, you know, semi-professional. Um, then I was born and ruined it all. No, <laughs> but, um, I think it was just part of my upbringing. Um, you know, we didn't really play like board games or Nintendo or stuff like that. We would do like improv games or, you know, that kind of thing. Like it was always my, my whole family is quite artistic. My brother is a practicing musician. Um, my other brother is a pretty gifted visual artist. Didn't really pursue it. Um, it, but anyway, yeah, I've, I was doomed from the get go. I just come from an artsy family and, uh, yeah, I, I always have, even as a toddler, really loved work in a room with comedy mm-hmm. in particular and has, it just, seemed like a natural fit. I have one of those personalities. Nobody's ever said, oh, that's Sarah. She's so shy. When's she going to come out of her shell? Right. Uh, so, so just, uh, okay, well, thanks, thanks to your parents for that. Um, and, yeah, so you've kind of just, it's kind of never, it's never left you, I take it, or has it been something you maybe left a bit in your teenage years and came back to, but or has it always been there? Do you know, that's an interesting question. Come to think of it. Um, and it's only in doing this, this autobiographical, deeply personal, uh, introspective work for the show. Um, I guess there was a period of time when mm-hmm. I did leave it and it was a very dark period. Um, so that's really interesting. Uh, hmm. Yeah. That is very interesting. I don't even, I don't even really know what to say about that. I think, uh, there's definitely a correlation. Yeah. Okay. A, like a dark night of the soul kind of, uh, time of my life is when pretty much the only time I didn't do any theater. Okay. I guess, I guess I was just surviving them. <laughs> well, we've all, well, a lot of us had those. Yeah. So it's good. It drew you back. Um, Sadly, speaking of dark nights of the soul, yeah, we can't totally leave politics, sadly, out of art. Uh, and um, so you, I know you're someone who's really pushed, at least on a local level, for there to be, you know, funding that's still accessible in the arts community uh, through some of those roles you were saying before. Um, is that uh, so just on a micro level, first of all, is that something you worry about, I guess, with maybe our upcoming municipal elections and things like that? Um, no, but only because, uh, I know that there are many people like me volunteering and working tirelessly to, um, make sure that there's still a vital thriving art scene in Peterborough. In fact, um, the city of Peterborough recently opened a brand new granting program for individual artists, Mm -hmm. um, which is remarkable. And, uh, that kind of support, albeit small for what each artist gets, but better than nothing. Um, and, and it also just says in terms of a political statement that we value artists work. We, we want that in our community. We see it as work and value it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like, you know, there's always austerity and everything at every level, but. Yeah, I have to, I have to say kudos to the city of Peterborough for that. It's currently a pilot program, so I hope they keep it. Um, we'll see, Mm -hmm. but I, I just think it's such a huge investment. The money they get back on that, 
I mean, when you look at the economic impact of the arts for, I mean, everything from gas stations to hotels to restaurants to things that have nothing to do with the arts, never mind, you know, printing paper, like all of these services. Um, it, it's it's a huge economic generator in this and every community. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely, I could speak like Peterborough. It's amazing how much Peterborough gets compared to, say, like other 905 uh not not the Peterborough's, but 905 communities that are larger that really, yeah, it's just not there. So yes, I, I second you in hoping that's con- our pilot projects continues now. Um, and uh, one thing I was going to uh, mention is as well, like come of your, when you're saying about titty cakes, about it being kind of your, in in part, a bit of your, own uh, kind of reaction to like uh, sort of us being sort of cut off from each other during COVID. Another piece you did, I think in 2020 really spoke to me that way, or at least you had a major hand in was testing uh, mm. that one with uh, Daniel Smith, I believe. That was great. That was yes. great. So uh, is that, is there anything you'd say about that piece itself? How you put that one together? Um. Yeah, Dan did a great job with that. He wrote that. Um, it, uh, it was very interesting to, I, I think a lot of, um, performance artists in particular, whether it be theater, dance, music, um, going online has been very difficult. And uh, yeah, anyone that is used to working with liveness and, and again, right, it comes back to that the audience's role, that reciprocity, that energy feedback loop that happens when you're in a temporal spatial relation. Um, it really can't be replicated on zoom. I mean, I'm kind of making eye contact with yeah. you, but yes. am I, and there's a delay and it's just, it's bizarre. <laughs> it's weird. Yes. Um, so I think it was really interesting to have a group of artists come together and say, I hate digital theater. Let's try and make some, I guess. <laughs> and um, it really, I think there is a bit of self-reflexivity in that work. And mm-hmm. in doing so, it was beautiful. And my favorite part of that show was prior to the show starting, we always made sure to give it some time and have the audience be able these little talking head squares interact with each other and sort of recreate that magic of the theater not just mm-hmm. this passive things coming at me but that that interaction and liveness and and participation right yeah no that's that seems to be something that's a major belief for yours audience engagement um and yeah i can speak from personal experience because i did actually see that my wife and I were snuggled into bed one night and watched that nice. when it was cold outside. So it was, uh, it was quite, yeah, I thought Daniel did a great job on that. Um, so in a meta way, this kind of leads to this. So I guess, um, is there, sorry, is there a type of kind of way you see that uh, theater is or has to evolve in these, in these years? Uh, or is that sort of something that's kind of, uh, a negativity coming from people who maybe just don't quite understand it. Uh, I mean, 
people are always innovating and doing new and exciting things. And I'm here for it. I love it. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. I mean, I, I heard of a performance that someone did with robots. Like there's, there's always cool and innovative things to be done, but frankly, the theaters survived many pandemics. Like, you know, this is ancient shit that we're doing. This is, mm-hmm. this is not the first pandemic. It's, it's not going anywhere. Right. It's, it's for me, you know, this is, this is part of, our humanity. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and, and, and definitely you're kind of, if we were going to do digital theater, some of the things you're saying, it would be, it's just, it just can't really quite happen on the same level, like audience engagement or just, uh, yeah, proper eye contact, all those sort of things. It, it certainly can happen on a certain level, but it's very, it's quite, it just doesn't quite, give it uh full experience i guess is what i'm saying if you yeah if you, i mean it's tough though because i think mm-hmm. there's really great things being done and particularly when it comes to accessibility there are plenty of people with disabilities who can't make it to a physical theater mm-hmm. um so that was a real takeaway of what i learned from the pandemic and there there will be a digital component to titty cakes um just acknowledging that that Mm -hmm. how wonderful is it's not the same but it's better than nothing (laughs) Mm -hmm. um so there's that yeah like i i think yeah it's it's there's there's a lot of gray tim (laughs) okay no no black and white great yes okay yes i know i i prefer that too to being gray sorry i'm not trying to say conclusive but i'm just uh trying to um i guess what are your thoughts on that but um now uh i guess another side of you i should not leave out and i'm just wondering yes maybe that's something you've had to abandon somewhat yourself, but just basically your role at Trent and which I believe is now called cultural and media studies. But anyway, um, so are you, are you actively engaged in that right now? I guess, first of all, no. Um, so uh, funny story. Mm-hmm. I, um, in 2019, mm-hmm. I got cancer. It, my cancer came back. Actually, it was a recurrence. Oh, um, so I had to take a leave of absence Mm-hmm. And the timing of it, you know, I had a, lost another year of my life to treatments and blah, 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 blah. It's good times, good times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little disruptive. Um, and, and just as I was sort of clawing my way back out of that dark night of the soul and thinking, okay, I'm going to have a life again. I'm going to get back to school and do stuff and, and like just the timing. And then the pandemic hit, um, uh, like, or, or not. Okay. Um, so they were handing out leave of absences, leaves of absence, I guess would be the, I don't know where to put the pluralization. I, anyway. I guess it'll just leave of absence. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. They were handing them out like candy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, yes, please. I will take one too. So this is all a long winded way of saying, um, I, I still am yet to defend. I'm hoping to do that this spring. And uh, I'm actually hoping that they'll let me write about, uh, titty cakes. There's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay. All right. So it's on, it's on leave at the moment, but hopefully it'll come back for you. And then, and I guess in a, in a historical or 2010s kind of sense, uh, like, uh, is there something of that, uh, nature of like, uh, 
teaching, I guess, that kind of contact that um, it was adding light to your soul, I guess. Is there something you're really enjoying about that, that experience? Oh, yeah. I didn't think I would like it as much as I did. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, I, I love research. Um, I love study. Um, but I was blown away and quite surprised by how much I loved teaching. Um, yeah, what, what a gift, what, what mm-hmm. a gift it is. And, and again, right. I love people. I like to think I'm, uh, you know, misanthropic, but, uh, it turns out I really love people. I, I, I don't really read you that way. So no, <laughs> I don't, that's, that's, uh, no. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I think I, I think I follow that now. Sadly, I have not come across their, um, perhaps slightly dusty files of this, but you know, as this, my program, most of them anyway, not all of them, but most of them go on Trent radio. And uh, you at one time were doing like a two hour kind of show in a kind of haiku kind of style. And is there anything you want to say about that? Uh, haiku experience? day. Uh, yeah, that was um, another crazy idea I had uh, where I just saw a friend of mine one night and they uh would quite often do haikus and I would quite often do haikus. And I said, you know what? We should do a radio show. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do haikus day. And we'll only speak in haiku. (laughs) 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 Which proved to be a little more difficult than I uh, could have imagined, but we got really good at it. And it was, we must be if you did it for two hours. Wow. Yeah. That's quite impressive. Music. And so we're like, okay, we're out of material. We'd put a song on and all you would hear was us just sitting there tapping out syllables on our desk as we're writing more. I quick, the song's ending. (laughs) 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 Sounded like Morris code. Um, yeah, good times though. And, and again, right. Isn't that interesting that, uh, that was after my first bout of cancer and a really great way, again, to feel connected to my community, to be creative and make art. And yeah, interesting. It's interesting in this interview that seems to be a theme that's coming out is the healing power of art. Yes. That yes. I was always a little bit aware of, certainly in this process of the work I've been doing lately. But uh, yeah, hear, hearing my own answers, going, wow, what do you know? Well, that, that's it was quite well that's quite an impressive accomplishment yes yeah, but you do it live on the spot um another thing i'm wondering i'm sort of reading from you were you at one time perhaps even currently in a nostalgic way a big x-files fan oh <laughs> yes you've done your research well done <laughs> tried my best yeah. <laughs> yeah yes are you chief king of um when we did at the theater on king uh our own version that, of the X Files. That's definitely part of it, yes. But uh... yeah, absolutely. I'm very much uh, a '90s kid. I sort of tail end. I was a bit bit young, but um, yeah, love it. And what's not to love? Come okay. On. Well, yes, it, it was. It was for the time. It was definitely quite innovative. So yes, um, I, I totally can relate to that. Um, now. I just, I guess, uh, my, hopefully my last dark night of the soul question here, but with your experience, I, I sadly have done this with a few guests too. I somehow freeze and bring in Susan Sontag, but anyway, I, I've, 
I, I've, I'm kind of a big fan of her. And I, when I think of illness as a metaphor, like her big thing was like illness should not be related and be put in any sort of metaphorical context in any sense. Cause mm. it just, it brings out these negative stereotypes and it brings out these, uh, false implications of people, uh, who are, have, you know, various types of illnesses and, each handles it in their own way sort of thing. So do you sort of agree with that? Like that um, illness itself should be free of any metaphorical thinking. Hmm. That's interesting. Cause I wonder, am I using metaphor with the recipe? I mean, what I should say is that um, surprisingly, uh, Cancer is just but one part of that story. It mm-hmm. sort of explores, I, I should say, oh, what's my elevator pitch? So Agatha was committed to a brothel and had her breasts torn off with pincers. Um, and this explores um, my experience as a sexual assault survivor, as well as a breast right. cancer survivor who has undergone bilateral mastectomy um, without reconstruction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... It's it's interesting that illness figures into this a lot, but I wouldn't say it's a show about illness. Okay, it's it's uh, yeah, it seems to be just as much about like uh, kind of uh, um, people, the victims of sort of intense misogyny that it still exists today, of course, but like it was really like very intense back at that time in that setting you know everything from Romulus and Remus up to you know perhaps at least when the Catholic Church formed but after anyway but yeah that definitely brings out a lot there so yeah um, absolutely uh, so in, uh, in my discussion so, um, I guess uh, so the what what dates are your is your show playing? I guess is just ah uh, it opens on October nineteenth. Mm-hmm. That's a Wednesday. Um, and it's just a very short run. It uh, goes from the nineteenth until the twenty third. The twenty third is a Sunday, and that is a matinee performance. Okay, okay, great. And you're saying it may come out in sort of a digital form, or part of that's accessible digitally? Yeah, yeah. There will be um. I'm not sure if it's going to be a live stream or I think probably because it is such a small um, venue, I think we're going to try to uh, after closing release um, the live stream or recording or whatever we want to call it um, probably for about a week afterwards, just if folks can't make it then they can see that. Okay. Well, um, I wish for you, hope uh, number one, that this uh, show, if nothing else, uh, is sort of makes you feel even more alive psychologically, uh, and uh, sort of maybe brings you back to how you felt maybe seven to eight years ago when you're doing a bunch of things yourself. Uh, number two, I hope, yes, I hope uh, Trent uh, allows you to do this. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that's a really good idea. And uh, most importantly, of course, I hope uh, things go well for you health-wise. And uh, it sounds like you've been getting, uh, like, uh, is it is it f- fair of me to say you've, you felt like you've got a lot of support from 
um, both your closest relationships, of course, and people within uh, our city's artistic community that you're connected to? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is, yeah, I, I, I think there's been an, an, an interesting, you know, self-discovery in doing this work, plumbing the depths of, you know, the, mm-hmm. the Sarah McNeely trauma, greatest hits, <laughs> double album. Right. Um, and, and that's one thing I've noticed that throughout my life, no matter when it is, there have always been helpers and supporters and community and, you know, without whom I would not be here speaking to you today. Oh, well, that's quite wonderful to hear. I, the, you're, it's, uh, as I'm sure you know, it's quite easy to, uh, give a dark picture to, uh, Peterborough itself these days in many ways, but, uh, you're someone who's, I, I walk out of this feeling quite uh, a bit rejuvenated about it. So that's good to hear. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I, 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 that was quite pleasurable. So thank you very much for uh, taking the time to talk to me then. Well, thank you, Tim. Like, my goodness, I'm yeah. honored. I'm honored to be your first theater subject. And my yeah. goodness, I'm honored to be in the ranks of some pretty incredible subjects as well. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, I'll, um, I'll let you know when I have this put together, uh, if not, by tomorrow hopefully by saturday anyway and i'll uh outstanding I'll, I'll and finish. i hope to see you at the performance yes yes i i, I plan on going I, I have to just sort of mix it with my possible work schedule but i'm sure i can work it out somehow so yes right well tickets are on sale now and it's a all small right. venue all right okay all right um, okay thank you so much thank yeah, you no problem all right thank you take care bye all now right. Well, instead of having to listen to me go through my usual blunders of promotion, saying where you can get the podcast and all that, I don't know. You can just look for me out on Twitter, Corner of Hunter and George. But more importantly, I hope that is just the first part, me being able to speak eventually to all three members of the Holy Trinity I referred to at the beginning. Anyway, I think I have a bunch of other episodes lined up, and I hope to see you soon. Let's leave maybe... A small excerpt from perhaps Sarah's favorite TV show, and I'll see you next time on Corner of Hunter and George. <laughs>